Hello and welcome to What Else Do You. I'm your host, Masao. I'm a producer at Studio Cut to Bits in Montreal. And today our guest is Vlad. Please introduce yourself. Hey, my name is uh, Vlad. I am uh, one of the co-founders of Neon Doctrine. We're an international video games publisher based in Taiwan. We started off as another indie several many years ago in China, bringing Chinese indies to the West and introducing Western games to mainland China. But since then, we opened up a new office in Taipei, uh, did a rebrand. And now we're focusing on, you know, worldwide, doesn't matter where the games come from. However, our main focus is still uh, working with developers from Southeast Asia and Asia in general, uh, mainly because there's, you know, not, not many people are looking in this region, but there's a lot of talent. Uh, so we're trying to help and grow the industry here. I also used to work for EA Games and, and, and Microsoft many, many years ago, but that's, that's just like a whole different life. Okay. okay. How, now how did you end up in China? So I did my master's degree in in, in a university there. My uh, my previous ex girlfriend, uh, she was Chinese. Uh, we were together for like five years, and then I decided to to do the translation interpretation. And it was like between Japan and China, but because uh, you know she was Chinese and her mom was actually one of the professors at the university, I ended up studying with. I decided to go there and, you know, a month before I was supposed to ship off to China, uh, she broke up with me, but I still went, I still did my master's and, you know, f- founded the company uh, with my friends. So you know, that worked out. <laughs> right. Cool. But this podcast is called What Else Did You? So what else did you or did you do? Um, right. Yeah. So used to be a professional ballet, classical ballet dancer for my God, 16 years. Um, yeah, we were. 16 yeah, years. We, we, we start training when we're young. I technically started a little bit late. I started when I was nine years old. Normally, you know, if you want to make a career out of it, professional career, you start when you're like three, four years old. And then, wow. you know, you do the whole pre-program and then you do your um, academy uh, studies, which are normally between eight to nine years. And then you can start uh, working at uh, theaters or, you know, different companies depending on your skill level and and you know how 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 talented you are uh because as shitty as it sounds uh when when it comes to you know well dance in general and you know classical ballet especially your hard work can only take you that far like if you want to be really good at it you still need to have a certain amount of talent to push through the you know the masses so what did your timeline look like? So you started at nine and I guess you enrolled in class. Like what made you start as a nine year old? So my buddy, this was back in Estonia. So my buddy used to take like these, how do you call it? It's, it wasn't like a school. It's like, you know, like after school activity type of thing uh, okay. for, for the kids. So he used to do ballet, but that wasn't anything professional, just like some amateur after-school activity past the kindergarten, primary school. Uh, and then he was like, ah, oh, just come with me, check out my class. And I was like, ah, oh, well, okay, I, I got nothing else to do when I was a kid. So I went there, and then at that point, they still had wooden floors uh, in your dance studios because, 
you know, in the 90s, they, st they still had uh, wooden floors in all the big theaters, like La Scala in Italy, Opera de Paris, Marinsky, etc. All of the big stages still had wooden floors, which is uh, not anymore. Now it's like covered with uh, linoleum. Because they have wooden floors, it's like super slippery. So they used a big watering canister, usually using your garden or, or on plants to make the floors a little bit wet so it's not as slippery when you do your exercises and, and stuff. Uh, and I was really captivated by that. I, I saw that canister and then like sprinkling it on the floors. And I was like, God damn, I, uh, I really like that stuff. I want to try this out. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, I, I sat So it wasn't the dancing. It was the, it was the watering can teacher, that you wanted. The, uh, they, they tested me out because, um, you know, you bef before you apply, even when you're like you know, younger than I was, when you're like four or five, they test you for your, uh, you know, turnout your musicality your, your your rhythm tempo stuff your flexibility stretches and you know your uh balancing apparatus i forgot the english name so it, it comes in play like how, how well you can turn turn things like that um so yeah they, there's like a series of tests that they do uh, and then they tell you you know if you're good enough or not turns out i was good enough and then, uh, yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of started from there. So they, they did the test. Uh, they said like, all right, yeah, so you're good at X, Y, Z. Like in my case, like I have a really nice turnout and uh, my equilibrium balance is pretty good. So I can do lots of turns. So I can it's really good at turning and stuff. And and uh, another thing they call, they say is like, uh, they call it uh, a balloon, which means the airtime you get when you jump. Um, so when it comes like for bigger tricks or bigger jumps, that that's the thing that you have that gives you an illusion that you kind of like freeze in the air for like half a second, a second. Um, so apparently I was pretty good at that one as well. Yeah. And then I came back home and told my parents and they kind of signed me up for private academy back in the day in Thailand. And it started from there. Yeah, I actually was the only dude in my class. It was like me and 13 girls. Um, so, so that was pretty fun, especially going through puberty. It wasn't fun. <laughs> it was terrible because, you know, a classical ballet. So there's so much drama and, and all of that nonsense. Um, and yeah, after I graduated the academy, I, you know, when you graduate, before you graduate, you go and do all the auditions in different companies in the theaters. Uh, and uh, I got a few offers like one was actually with the New Zealand National Ballet and then another one was in, in London in UK and then another one was for the Spanish uh, royal one in Madrid so I didn't want to go to New Zealand because that was way too far I wasn't a fan of UK because the weather sucks so I ended up going to Spain because uh, not that far uh, Spain is nice warm weather really good uh, so yeah I first I ended up in Madrid and and I worked there for about two, two and a half years before switching to another company. Um, yeah, I, I need to remember the timeline. Um, but yeah, so 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 my my first contract my, my, was with the with, with the National Theatre there. It's, it was quite funny because after I left, after a few years later, they completely disbanded their national ballet because they pulled the fund and all the funds went to contemporary dance and uh, flamenco. 
Yeah, so in the end, I ended up working, you know, I, I worked in the Royal Theatre in Netherlands. And then I, I, I also worked a bit in, in, in London for, 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 for the Royal one there. Did my time in Russia, in Mariinsky, in St. Petersburg. We, well, ne- never actually went to, to Bolshoi, to Moscow, but in Petersburg. Um, then I also did, uh, you know, I, I worked in Austria, Munich. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, Denmark. <laughs> worked at the royal one in in Denmark in Copenhagen where else and in between oh yeah Singapore I also worked uh I worked in the Singapore national uh for about a year it was actually my first time when I came to Asia and I danced with a Chinese national uh the, the the Beijing one as well uh and then of course once once you work for the company you you do all these tours and, and things like that especially during uh you know beginning of summer or, or or winter, depending on what the, the company plans. So we ended up traveling a lot, like a lot, which is fun because, you know, the, 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 the countries invite you, so you get to fly around and, and do your thing. Uh, but yeah, lot, lots of, lots of, lots of hard work. I remember this one time when we were doing the tour, this was with the Dutch National Ballet and we were supposed to, it was like a Southeast Asia tour. So First up was Singapore, so that was pretty cool. They put us up in the Marina Bay Sands for two weeks, so that was that was very nice. But then we were supposed to go to Indonesia, and while we were in Singapore, our tour in Indonesia got cancelled because the government banned the performance. And this was this was like Giselle and Swan Lake, and they deemed that to be too. Uh, well, not pornographic, but like inappropriate, which which uh, I, I found quite uh, silly because you know they they know the program, they know what, what, what's coming, what performance is, so they've seen that. But to the last minute, they just canceled it us, so we just ended up having like this gap, like but like a week gap in our tour in, in, in Southeast Asia. So I mean, most of us just end up staying in Singapore, and then we we went on. So. Okay, so that's uh, that's quite a career. So when did you start professionally dancing? Well, how old were you? Professionally, uh, I was. I think it was like about fourteen. Was the first wow. like professional thing I did. It was in I- Italy, and then after that, it was just pretty much like every year while I was still in the because because I need I had to juggle like you know my high school and college and the the, the, the ballet academy because it's like two separate entities so you end up you know okay. finishing your regular normal studies like around 3 4 p.m. and then you go to your dance academy and then you stay there till like 9 10 p.m. every day um because normally it was like 5 6 hours of training every day including saturday so yeah not much of a social okay. life um but yes, fourteen was the first thing, and then after that, like every year, there is different like festivals and and, and shows and, and competitions and workshops. So early teens ended up touring a, a lot around in, in Europe, like uh, Portugal, Italy, Spain, Sweden, Austria. Okay. You know, so all the, all the your first like contract, that. your first contract with Spain. What? How old were you then? Uh eighteen. Yeah, eighteen. Eighteen. Yeah. Okay. 18 fresh out so, of the academy so when did you retire and what made you retire did you age oh, out i was or? like man fuck how, how old was i 24 20, 24 yeah it says 24 so you know six is hectic that like years. a grandpa for for belly no, dancers no 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 like, early because n- n- normally you you end like in late 30s beginning 40s oh okay 
late late thirties, really like 38, 39, 40 is already pushing it. Um, the, I mean, just because your body can't handle it. Oh, my knee got fucked up. I got, a, I got, a I got a tear in my meniscus. So it's like a round muscle under your kneecap. Uh, and the way that works is like when you get a tear, you got two choices, either you stop or you get an operation. And the way the operation works is like, you know, they drill a little hole under your knee. Uh, they cut out the, the torn part and then they sew it back together. Uh, so it kind of fixes this short term, but the downside is you need to do this operation every like year, uh, one year and a half, two years. So after Jesus. a while, it just shrinks, shrinks till there's like barely anything left. left so it kind of like fucks you for life. Um, so I was like, fuck that. Uh, and then I didn't do that. Then I quit. I mean, I, I also had problems with lower back because I had this amazing partner who wasn't as experienced when it came to, uh, you know, lifts and stuff. So she did some mistakes. I ended up paying for those mistakes with my lower back. So yeah, that was that was another thing. But the 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 main issue was my 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 right knee got fucked, uh, and uh, that's when I decided to, to quit and go do the you know translation interpretation masters. Okay. Yeah. So, um, kind of looping back to video games, like what do you think you got out of that that you don't get from video games? Oh, definitely, you know, stage presence and, you know, not so much of stage fright. So because we end up doing a lot of presentations and talks and, and panels or when you're talking to the media and press, uh, because in our case, most of the developers we work for with uh, are still, you know, from, from Southeast Asia or Asia in general. In the beginning, they were mostly from China. So, you know, they don't really speak English. And it's, it's still difficult for uh, our developers to travel abroad, even pre-COVID, because of all the visa issues and things like that. So what happened, all these big uh, shows, you know, like GDC, PAX, Gamescom, Tokyo Game Show, etc., you name it, it was us we were going there representing our developers. So all of the interviews and the presentations and in the shows, uh, we ended up doing that. Not only in English, like in a bunch of different languages, like I, I did it in Spanish, I did it in English, I did it in Russian, I did it in Chinese. So that definitely helped, you know, with, with, with my presence uh, and the ability to present myself properly. Because, you know, we, still, we had to take like acting classes and all of that stuff when I was in the academy. And, uh, yeah, so it made communicating a lot easier and also, you know, confidence because you're, you're so used being in spot on, you know, under the spotlight, on the spot, on stage, in the spotlight. So when we were meeting, like when we were starting to meet bigger players, you know, like, like EA or, or PlayStation or Nintendo or, or, or Xbox to talk about bigger deals and things like that definitely made pitching to to platforms or you know investors or, or looking for funding or talking to all, all these people a lot easier because of the previous uh, experience uh, that i had okay dance another thing which is quite funny which is you know it's not because ballet but it's mostly like uh made navigating all the drama and the backstabbing and the <laughs> gossip a lot easier because uh, you know that's very prevalent in, in the dancer world because you know you're bored out of your mind during the rehearsals you're sitting there backstage so people don't know what to do so they just start talking shit um right and you would thought like you know game dev industry wouldn't have that much but oh my god there's so much unnecessary drama 
Um, so having that experience from my ballet dancer years, it certainly made a lot easier to avoid all this nonsense uh, in our industry. <laughs> you actually answered my second question: is what is what did uh, ballet dancing give to you as a as a as a developer? But my first question was: what did you get out of ballet that you don't get out of game development? Like, what is something that you miss? Oh, dude, it's the euphoria or the high you get when you're on stage. Uh, it's, you know, drugs don't do it justice. Uh, so it, it's, I don't know how to explain it. Like the, the, the feeling that you get when you're there performing, dancing, especially on, you know, the bigger stages on, on the international ones. It's just, it, it's amazing. So that's one thing uh, I miss. It's kind of like a drug and definitely don't get it here. Uh uh, in in the game dev industry, it's, you know, even even like with the award shows and stuff like that, it's like yeah, you go there, you you, uh, but uh, nothing really comes close. You're not you're not performing. You're you're just even if you have an audience, you're just kind of giving a speech. Yeah, yeah, it's still 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 not the same. Yeah, doing doing leaps through the air seems a lot more exciting than like saying like yes, our <laughs> game has uh, X feature, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Yeah, I mean it's it's a, it's a different type of uh, feeling of uh, accomplishment. Uh, so you know, uh, but yeah. definitely miss the stage. Definitely miss the, the 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 proper stage. Was it heartbreaking when you? When you... Oh yeah, it sucked. I mean, it still sucks. I still miss it, but you know, it's, it's such is life. But in the beginning, yeah, it was it was pretty pretty terrible because uh, I spent so many years doing it, and it, that was like the thing that I was supposed to do. But um, you know, life happened, uh, which is fine. Uh, it, it was it was still pretty fun, pretty amazing. Uh, parents don't improve. They're like, man, you went from you know in, uh, like a, a professional ballet dancer, now you're doing. What fucking video games? What the fuck? Because <laughs> you know, parents are still like old Soviet upbringing, so so it's a shock to the system to them. That's that's really interesting. How like uh, that would be different depending on the cultural context. I'm sure like there are people. Uh, there are definitely parents that are like, yes, it's good that you have a job that is yeah uh, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 no, is, uh, no serious not, not and case. instead of being a dancer. So it's really interesting that uh, that's that's really cultural. Well, uh, the pay was way better as a ballet dancer than it is as a as a publisher. So you know, there's that too. <laughs> yeah. Do you still dance at all, or have you completely? Stopped no, everything? not really. I, I one thing is like, I don't really have time, and second thing, I'm so out of shape that like I I can't even like. I mean, yeah, I can do like some few like party tricks and you know, splits and like some turns and stuff like that but i don't really like go to dance classes or anything okay. uh mainly it's because it's not to sound arrogant but th th for example in, in case of taiwan there's there's nothing professional when it comes to to to, to, to classical ballet it's more everything is on amateur level and for me that's just like too basic too boring it's, it's i don't find no. it, it's just you know very, very very low level i mean they taught us all a bunch of other different styles like you know we also had to do like pop and lock and break dance and historical dances and, and national dances and, and oh so much different stuff we we we, we had to learn but yeah it's just uh difficult to find a class that would be suitable for me okay so not really no just when i get drunk at like conventions and i might do something <laughs> <laughs> i could i could see that yeah well, uh, we've been going for a while, so I guess that's uh, 
let's let's get to the last question is what is something you want people to know about ballet? Oh man, that's a that's a tough one. Oh, poof. God damn. <laughs> I did not think about this one. I mean, I mean I, yeah, it's hard work, freaking hard work, man. We had to train like when when working in theater, we would have to like 10 hours, 10, eight hours a day, like five, six days a week, uh, tra training and rehearsing and stuff like that. So lots of hard work. And yes, guys do have to wear a thong when they dance for aesthetic reasons and to keep <laughs> your nuts in one place when you jump around, because if they don't, they just like sway and it's very painful. But I don't know, <laughs> man, if, if you're a tidbit interested, go check out a local performance at your city or town or if there's a traveling troupe there is still some really cool stuff to, you know you, you you can experience it's art um but it's not for everybody and certainly not all types of performances for everybody so be careful you don't end up in like a six hour original swan lake production because i, I can't even handle that myself that's way too <laughs> long um okay so one last question is um so as an audience, what type of ballet do you like? Do you like the more like classical classical or do you like more of the modern reinterpretations? Um yeah, personally no. I'm I'm still I'm still of all, more of an old school guy, so I like, you know, the 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 Tchaikovsky and all, all the old school from Russian choreographers, Swan Lake, Giselle, Sleeping Beauty, Corsair. Um not so much of the modern, not 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 a fan, not a big fan of modern interpretation. Like, yeah, some of them are pretty good, but uh, I do like my my, my classics. Uh, Balanchine is also quite nice, but it's just a different technique. But personally, I'm a fan of the Russian style because you know there's now there's so many different styles. Like you have the French one, you have the Danish one, you have the Italian one, you have the American one. Uh, so it's it it's quite varies uh, a lot because but, but with the Russian one is because like there's a lot of terms for guys there's like the 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 jumps are big and big lifts and everything is like more grand when if you take for example what they do in Opera de Paris or or, or you know, New York a or ABT it's a lot of it is like tiny technical stuff with your feet and stuff like that if you're like scurrying around the stage which is also extremely hard but you know different types of so you want the you want the big leaps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like cuz I'm good at that. I'm I'm good at like big I used to be. I used to be good at big jumps and like doing like 9, 10, 12 turns and like all the big lifts with girls and stuff like. So I was really good. I'm just not a fan of all these little like I don't know. <laughs> Especially when you're on the big stage like you can't really the audience is like a bit further down. They can't really see what the fuck is going on. Um so yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Uh, it's been a it's been a tough recording with the technical uh, <laughs> technical yeah. stuff. So I really yeah. appreciate the the patience and uh, thank you. It was a it was a really interesting conversation. So yeah, no problem. Yeah. Um, by the way, did I told you I'm actually also part Japanese? My grandfather's Japanese. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Granted, he's dead, but yeah, from from, from the, the, the that side of the family is all from uh, Tokyo. Oh wow! So I still have a bunch of like cousins living there and and whatnot. Very cool. How 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 did they end up in Estonia or uh, Ukraine? Uh, well, Soviet Ukraine, Union okay. at that time. Uh, 
man, fuck if I know, my Ukrainian side of the family does not talk to the Japanese side of the family. I'm the only one who communicates, so I have no freaking idea because none of them are telling me what, 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 what happened. And, you know, grandfather's dead, so uh, I don't know. So it's like, no. it's on my mom's side. So she doesn't talk okay. about it. Uh, grandmother doesn't talk about it. So it's just, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I okay, found well, out when I was like 16. Because wow. when I was in when I was younger, when I was in kindergarten, I, I looked a lot more Asian. Because I I you can't tell that you know there's some Asian blood, but I looked a lot more Asian. So I got teased a lot, called it being called like you know some slurs, um, and I was like, why? What the fuck? Like I'm Ukrainian, and then you know, it's, it's 15, 16 years old. I, then I found out. I was like, oh my god, it all makes sense now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Well, um, well, thank you very much. And uh, who knows? Maybe one day we're going to run into each other somewhere because I think at one point we're going to start traveling again. <laughs> no, no problem. It was, it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, take care and have a good evening. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Dave Wallace for providing the music. And thank you to Therese Lance for providing the logo. Bye.